Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Champions Cast over here at ZeldaDungeon.net. I am one of your hosts, Andy Spateri, joined by the two coolest uh, people in the Zelda scene, Savannah and Taylor. I think we received an upgrade since last time, Savannah. I know, right? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, beggars oh, can't be choosers, right? As in Savannah? I don't know if I'd say that's not good. Ouch. Ouch. Maybe that's like a lateral move, maybe. You know what? Maybe. You suck. <laughs> it's been said. It's been said. So thank you for joining us here this week. Uh, I hope that you guys all checked out our exclusive with the voice actress of Urbosa herself, Elizabeth Maxwell, last week. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation with her, touched on a lot of cool topics. So I hope that you guys checked it out and uh, liked the episode. We... I've got another good episode for you this week. Uh, of course, it is the one-year anniversary of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, we're going to be talking about the legacy of Breath of the Wild. We're going to be talking about how Breath of the Wild changed Zelda forever. Uh, as the honeymoon period ended with Breath of the Wild. And, of course, the Nintendo Switch. But before we get started on that, let us just dive right in and talk about... Initial impressions on the day of, memories of the day of, March 3rd, 2017, getting Breath of the Wild. What do you guys remember? Well, that was a day that shall live in infamy for me. If only because I had not had the fortune of pre-ordering my Switch. So, I had to go into the store and hope that they had one available when I went to pick it up. So, went in, and... I managed to be the very last walk-in to be able to get one. So that was nice. Uh, I camped in my car for about four hours. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a real, real fun time. And then I got back home, set it up, and then immediately tried to stream Breath of the Wild. And... I ran into the audio issues that are incumbent with trying to stream from the Switch, and where I would not be able to hear my audio, like from the from the Switch itself, unless I did some ghetto workaround in OBS. So it was pretty funny. I remember, uh, I remember last year saying I was I was still pretty fresh with Zelda Dungeon, and I was like, "Who's gonna stream Breath of the Wild? Everybody's gonna be playing it. Who's gonna be watching this?" And my, my more seasoned colleagues at the at the site just laughed at me. They knew. Yeah. I think a lot of... A, well, not a lot, but a few of my friends tuned into the stream. Uh, I remember one of them. Hey, Mickey boy, I know you're going to be listening to this later. But uh, I know he's tuned in for a little bit, but then he tuned out because he didn't want to get spoiled. But a few people tuned in. I think a lot of people yeah, who I weren't getting it that day or couldn't get it that day ended up showing up. I, that's that's exactly it, yeah. The, everybody who couldn't get it that day, I think, tuned in to watch at least somebody else play it and kind of have that sense of discovery with it. Yeah. What about you, Sav? What are your, what are your fondest memories of getting Breath oh, of the Oh, man. Um, I remember I waited, like... Oh, man. I had it all planned out, basically, like, days in advance, for the most part. Because um, my husband works, like, at the electronics department in one of the stores, and so I had him, like look in when he was going to get the Switch, like, when was he going to get the game itself, and, like, all the Amiibos. <laughs> so I had him hold, literally, just about everything for me that day, and then... Hold, or you pre-bought? Mm, hold, so that I could go buy it. <laughs> he... Did you, did you charm him or something? I can't believe oh, that. Oh, God, yeah. No, he, he just loves <laughs> me that much. Um... And so, yeah, but he bought it for me once I got, or I, yeah, he bought it for me basically once um, he was able to get it out, get everything opened up and stuff. But, and then I remember waiting and finally getting it home and I had to work that day, which sucked. And so I had to wait until work, until I was off of work and then I just had the switch charge and everything and I was like ready to go to just play it it was a lot of fun I, it was by far one of my favorite Zelda games now for sure I remember um, that morning I had prepaid for everything so all I had to do is just go and pick it up and I was going to pick up some amiibo as well and I remember getting there and I got there I think at like 
7 in the morning and EB opened up at uh, 9 so I was prepared to wait a little bit and you know I'm, I'm getting a chatting with uh, some other people in line and I'm like oh yeah like like I read for Zelda Dungeon and they're like oh cool and like we, we, we were chatting or whatever and this one dude in front of me is waiting in line and I'm like so are you so stoked to play Zelda or what and this guy he's like six foot tall he's really skinny and, and he looks at me and he's like oh I'm actually not getting Zelda and I was like what and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not getting a Switch either. And I was like, what? What are you doing in line? And he's like, well, I think I'm going to get a Switch at another location later on today, but I really wanted to play Bomberman. I was like, I was staring at this guy, like completely offended that he wasn't buying Zelda on day one. And I was like, Bomberman. And he's like, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. And and you know what? That's, that's the biggest thing I remember from day one of the Switch, the Bomberman guy. I mean, I'm After not that, that's though, funny. I'm not gonna diss on Bomberman. That was a pretty good series back in the day. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Bomberman, you know, he's, he's kind of cool. I think he'd make a good Smash Bros. character, but like, the Switch is coming out, Breath of the Wild's coming out, and you're buying Bomberman. What? Fair, fair enough, fair enough. So I pick up, I pick up my copy of Zelda and uh, and some Amiibo. And I get home and I play it, and man, I almost cried. Like, I, I literally just almost cried. I had to actually, like, pause before I could even set it up and, like, compose myself. And I took I took holidays off work, so I wasn't doing anything for, like, <laughs> for, like a full two and a half weeks. And I was like, I told my girlfriend, like, don't disturb me, don't bother me, I'm playing Zelda. You know, if you need me, I'm not available. <laughs> Poor Sam. Yep. That's pretty much how it was for me, too, though. I was, like, all set up. I was like, don't talk to me, don't, mm-mm, I'm not here not here. I actually had a I actually had a doctor's appointment the next day that I totally blew off because it, it ended up getting to the point where like I was playing the game all the way until like six in the morning and I, my appointment was in two or three hours. I was like, ah, A, I'm really tired. B, I still want to play this game. And C, I can always reschedule this, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I think you made the right decision. I agree. It I was, was totally right worth it. 100%. So, a funny piece of trivia, actually, is that my favorite game of last year was obviously Breath of the Wild, which came out March 3rd. My favorite movie of last year was Logan, uh, the, the final, you know, the final I chapter of Hugh Jackman's... I just saw that. You know, Wolverine trilogy. I oh, just, just saw that. What's the matter it. with you? I forgot I, about it. Uh, what? I, so, okay. So, something... For me, like, time is a very valuable resource, and money even more so. And just, like, movies coming out in theaters are huge, like, big costs to both. So, if I'm going to see a movie in a theater, like, it's got to be, like, pre-planned, way in advance. So, we're talking, you know, Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is, like, the end of an era, though. I know, I know. I started playing Wolverine when I, when I was in junior high. I, I wanted to go to the movie and see it. I just, I and I had the money at one point, but I just didn't have the time. And by the time I did have, have it, I, like, it had left theaters. And so I was waiting to see if it would come, uh, like, out on video or something for for yeah, cheap. That, and then that's fair. it just came out on, so, I think, Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free. So... Yeah, I've, it's on Netflix as well now. Yeah, oh, so I finally caught up. I, uh, I remember being this huge dilemma, though, because I was like, I, I want to see this movie because it looks so amazing, and but it comes out on the same day as Zelda. So, like, what do I do? And then I think someone from, I think it was Gooey, is just like, well, shit, man, the Switch is portable. Take it to the theater, which I almost did. But I ended up, like, ended up going to see the midnight release of that and then getting up. Like, I, I, I got back home at probably about 2 in the morning and uh, and then got up for, like, 6 to get to EB for 7. I would do it all over again. Do it all over again. Oh yeah, in a in a heartbeat. Uh, so Sav, you you got to watch Logan. Is the moral of the story? <laughs> I'll have to watch it, especially now that it's on Netflix and all. I didn't know it was on there. Let's uh, let's dive into the meat of the subject here, and we're gonna talk about Breath of the Wild, and we're gonna try and look at it objectively, um, and and rank it or discuss where it falls in with the rest of the Zelda games in terms of a few different categories that uh, we've kind of mapped out here. So, 
I think the first category that we'll go is uh, where do you guys see Breath of the Wild in terms of gameplay? Like what what will Breath of the Wild's legacy be on the on the gameplay aspect of the Legend of Zelda series? And this refers to the style of gameplay. And of course, Breath of the Wild was a huge open world game, um, arguably the Ocarina of Time for you know this generation of Zelda players. So I think. I think if you're asking me, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be like the new Ocarina of Time for for many many players. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, from one standpoint, I want to say that the game was completely and totally revolutionary and absolutely the the new Ocarina of Time and the better Ocarina of Time. And I would say that from the standpoint of when I first played it. However, with time, and especially after getting to the end, I I don't know that I can make that same claim by a long shot. Which is fair. I don't think I don't think there will ever be another Ocarina of Time for for guys like you and me, Taylor, because we're we're of the same age and we kind of came into the Zelda series at the same time playing Ocarina of Time as our first game. Um, but I think that this will be the Ocarina of Time for new players, and I think that this is going to be something that the, the the next Zelda games are structured around. And I mean, you can even see you can see the skeletons of Ocarina of Time in this game. Like, combat is, you know, more or less based off the, the blueprint that Ocarina of Time laid out, but um, by and large, it was big deviation, and I think that that style of, of gameplay like open world is, is probably going to be the norm and probably going to be looked at you know in a few years in the same vein that we look at Ocarina of Time today. I can totally agree with that. Yeah, for for newer players of Zelda or newer newcomers to the franchise, it's definitely definitely up there. And, and even for for classic Zelda fans too, it it's still big. There wasn't it wasn't like it was a you know a thousand percent letdown. It was just very very different and yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it was a letdown at all. Yeah, no, it, it like I like to think in terms of Breath of the Wild was kind of revolutionary for uh, the Zelda series, whereas Ocarina of Time was just revolutionary revolutionary for gaming in general. Yeah, um, I definitely think it will be like the new Ocarina of Time for a lot of new players. Um, Especially because it's got that whole open world feel. I think they did a really, really good job on it. And I think most likely they're probably going to keep, I think, the whole open world theme, like, feel to it. Because I think that was a pretty big hit. And I was kind of disappointed with, like, the ending a little bit. It wasn't as good as I had hoped. Like, it wasn't as much of a build-up, I guess. Like, We'll, we'll get to story. Know. We'll get to story. But, yeah, I think it could easily be, like, the new Ocarina of Time for a lot of newer players to it. I think it'll help incorporate some of the newer people into the game series that haven't played it before. Like Taylor like Taylor said, like, I, think, I think now that time has passed and, you know, it's, it's a little bit cooler not to gush over Breath of the Wild. You see a lot of the hardcore Zelda guys kind of kind of down talking it because it, it's not conventional in the sense of like all the previous Zeldas that we grew up on are but I, I just I think that this is going to be like the generational Zelda game in the same way that the original Zelda was in the same way that Ocarina of Time was this it, it's like I always compare Breath of the Wild to Metroid Prime so Metroid Prime did for the Metroid series what Breath of the Wild did for the Zelda series and Super Metroid is this amazing amazing game and nothing will ever take away from that. But, like, that's... Prime took it in a new direction where it was, you know, it was ready for something new, it was ready for a change. So I always kind of liken those games together in my mind. We're going to move on to a more divisive one, which I'm sure that we all have some two cents uh, to chip in here. So, in terms of dungeons, the hallmark of the Zelda series, where does Breath of the Wild fall? I mean, I would argue that you could say it comes in dead last because it lacks and 
it lacks traditional Zelda dungeon. Like the the shrine, you could argue the shrines and the divine beasts kind of count as dungeons, but I think they tried to go in such a separate direction with those that it's it's no longer the dungeon feel. It's more of you know what what can we do that's new but still has some flavors of the old stuff. So I would rank it dead last in dungeons. I, I know I know that I wasn't a huge fan of the. Uh of the rotating dungeon I, I think the i think the concept was cool um but at the end of the day all you had to do is just rotate the dungeon until you could just click off you know five sheikah slates and it was very monotonous um there was a lot of the same thing like every every dungeon felt the same to me i couldn't tell you you know i can't remember what the dungeons are called i can't remember a specific area of the dungeons and uh and, and this kind of bled over into the into the one that was found in the champions ballot as well you know what i'd say so I'd... i would say what's much more memorable about the breath of the wild quote-unquote dungeons were the intros to them because those were like i can remember every single you know moment before get like right before getting into the the divine beasts but you know it, while inside eh, you know hit or miss but like you know swimming with with sidon or uh you know sand surfing Protecting and trying that to score on yeah like that was definitely memorable and i loved every aspect of that but once you got inside it just felt uh dead yeah, I was kind of disappointed a little bit by the um, dungeons. I mean, I liked that it had like that different feel to it because it was kind of refreshing to not have like all the different dungeons to go to and you know how you have to hit them in a certain order or whatever. So it was nice to not have that, but I still kind of missed. I still kind of missed it a little bit. And the shrines, I think, were kind of meant to be a little bit like mini dungeons in a sense but I think they kind of missed it a little bit on what they did and yeah I didn't I mean I liked going through like you know all of the oh god what are they called not the guardians yes that divine beasts and I liked it but there were a lot that they weren't very memorable and I thought they were like way too quick and easy to go through for most of them well, here's a question for both of you. Is part of that, especially, this is more, I guess, focused towards the shrines than, than say, the Divine Beasts, but would you say that the reward of completing those shrines was was part of the reason why they were not as, as memorable or as, uh, as fun? That's I remember true. I wrote an article that kind of said, like, the same thing. It was something along the lines of, like, did Breath of the Wild's developers take it easy on dungeons because they had 120 shrines to, to offer players instead? And I got, like, absolutely roasted for people by it. I'm like, of course they wouldn't do that, you <laughs> fool. Like, like, come on, it's Nintendo. But, like, I, I, I do think that there's some merit to that where, you know, Nintendo knew that they had this amazing world with all these shrines hidden all over the place. Um... And often finding the shrines was more rewarding than the shrines themselves. In fact, a lot of them, when you'd walk in and you'd just get the orb just for finding it. So, I, I do think that there's something to that where it's like, okay, we, we don't necessarily have to make the most memorable dungeons um, that we've had in the series because we've got all these shrines as backup. And, like, you could argue that, you know, overall, are, what, does, does Zelda shift more towards shrines than dungeons in the future? Because um, I think if it does... You can definitely look back at Breath of the Wild and say, like, you know, this was this was the start of a huge shift for, for Zelda, because Zelda has always been about dungeons, and this game really stepped away from that, I think. I'd be kind of sad if they moved completely away from dungeons, because, I mean, that's kind of what we all grew up on. I mean, it's kind of part of the charm of the game, I think. So mm-hmm. I'd be kind of disappointed if they moved away from it. I think that, like, with Shrines, the some of the best parts of that were, like, some some of the rather unique challenges that you had to figure out. 
in terms of oh you need to move your uh, move this ball through this maze using the motion controls and there's a million one ways you can do it you can do it the regular way you can flip it on its you know uh, on the backside and wait for the ball to drop again and then ease it over for the for the ghetto man's approach um, so I, I did like those aspects of it because it retained the uh, it retained the feeling of of older uh, dungeons, but it wasn't. They they were so short, and with 120 of them, it became kind of the same. All right, now this is an especially divisive topic, um, and and this one is the most subjective as well. Maybe maybe music a little bit more so, but we're going to talk about the game's story um, and, its, and its addition to the timeline and its overall narrative and the way that it told stories. I think it's one of the weakest Zelda games. Um, I don't really count the first, you know, couple Zelda games the, um, on the NES. I don't think the NES was a storytelling platform, but I, I definitely don't think that the game stood up to games like Majora's Mask, Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, um, in terms of narrative and in terms of character development and everything like that. It just felt it felt like there was a lot missing and a lot wrong to me. So I think that when we look back at Breath of the Wild, we're going to talk about what a great game it was with a lackluster story. Yeah, I think... I mean, I think they it kind of showed in a sense that they put a lot of their focus on trying to do something new for Breath of the Wild that's never been done before in a sense and so I think they kind of ended up missing the mark on that story line for it it just kind of I think it just kind of shows that they didn't put as much effort to the story as they did for everything else and I still thought it was good but it definitely had some room for improvement like with character development and stuff like that although I did really I thought they did a pretty good job on kind of um on like Princess Zelda at least with what her relationship was with her father and stuff like that I think they did a good job expanding there but yeah they kind of fell short on some other spots but I mean you know they're trying every they're trying a lot of new stuff so I think they were kind of focusing on the whole newness factor instead of the storyline for it I think uh, and something that I don't really like in the gaming industry is when companies tend to, like when they're trying to take risks, but then they they don't commit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so Zelda and Nintendo with Breath of the Wild, like they were they were dedicated to breaking the mold in every sense of the word, uh, for you know everything from dungeons to game mechanics to open world all that kind of stuff it was we're gonna take this this franchise that we have very set ideas of what makes makes it zelda and we're gonna turn it on its head um when you know what, let's give uh, let's give credit where credit is due as well because we are gonna look back at this game and say like this is the zelda game that finally introduced uh, voice acting to the series and uh and that was long, long overdue. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, there. Breath of the Wild does many things right. However, it's just the the problem comes when it when you're dealing with really big aspects of what makes a game a game, and especially a Zelda game a game. So when we're talking about story, one of the things that we love the most is even though. Zelda stories aren't necessarily always the most complex. At least there's usually a good, you know, at the very least a good uh, uh, chunk of meat to the story. Whereas with Breath of the Wild, it feels like we got a skeleton and they had ideas of where they wanted to go with it, but they were afraid because we're doing all these new things, we don't want to commit to going as far as we want to do with it. Yeah. At least that's just how it feels. I mean, I think... I think we probably might have been victims of our own expectations too, because I mean, you know, Breath of the Wild was in the oven for so long. Like, like it, you know, announced in 2014, uh, comes out 2017. That's a lot of time to to lend 
your theories or what you want to see happen into a game. So is that really it, our it's fault? Though? Unreasonable. But is that really our fault though? Because no, they no, announced it, the not. game with it with what it was a minute and 13 second trailer or a minute and a half trailer of link running yeah. away from well, a guardian you know what, you know what? To and then point, we hear now that nothing. Said it too yeah that really sucked um the so just going so what are we supposed to do it was delayed so what are we supposed but, to so, do so we, now, that, now that you say it like you're right because they they build up this game for so long and then it absolutely delivers on a gameplay um perspective right but, so maybe I take that back. I, I was going to cut him a little slack there, but I actually I don't think I'm going to. I I'm want still pissed to as that well. I don't know what Calamity Ganon is, or how we can control all of the Guardians, right? Or what happened to the champion? I know they died, but like, uh, or the fact know, that they're I, trying I just... to give Link a personality when they've shied away from that for so long and they're saying hey no he's your avatar but then all of a sudden like we re you know if you happen to go into zelda's room in the castle yeah. and you find that one diary it explains oh yeah link is you know a real big introvert because damn some stuff happened to him and oh it's unfortunate he just hides everything away and then you're looking at it and like wait a minute Hold on. You gave you Link know, a personality in the Wind Waker. Link has always been a character. Link has Link moved away from being an avatar a long time. Yeah. Ago. Probably, probably as early yeah. as the N64 days. No, I, I would say uh, A Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, and Wind Waker really established Link as no longer just being an avatar. You, he's, I, I think you're missing Skyward Sword. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> by that point, it was already established that he's no longer uh, okay, okay, okay you know i'm just saying like the the ones to break the mold on that were probably linked to the past you could even argue even uh link's awakening was really good for that as well um and then you have you could, i don't know that i would but i wouldn't disagree with you i i, I just think like the interactions between everybody like because a lot of Link, like you you look at linking and you're trying to determine what's his personality what's his what is he doing? You have to base that around how other people react around him since he never speaks. I mean, obviously the game that put Link over the top as one of the greatest characters of all time was 2015's masterpiece, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That Mirror Man Because there wasn't so just time. one Link, there was, there was three. <laughs> and those emotes, like, every time, just spamming all of those. So, I love I, it. I think... I think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're in agreement, though, that we're going to look back on Breath of the Wild's story as being somewhat of a swing, and not quite a miss, maybe like a bunt that gets you to first base. You know, you didn't quite strike out, but you didn't hit a home run. You didn't really get anyone else off the mound and score a point either, but, like, you didn't you didn't mess up. If, Do we think that that's fair? Yes. A bunt? Give or take, yeah, I think okay. so. Bunt is bunt is uh, is that from baseball or from kickball? Bunting is from baseball. I guess from kickball. Is it? Well, it might be from kickball too, but bunting I always heard in reference to baseball. I don't. I know it's from from uh, kickball for sure. I used to play kickball in elementary school, and I couldn't kick it very far, so I was bunted. I mean, bunting is also a technical term for what cats do to us. Really? It is? Yeah. The boot, the head booping. That's that's. Uh, supposedly, it's the scientific term, I guess, is bunting. No, it's just it's, oh, it should just be head booping. I I agree. <laughs> I think we all agree. All cat owners everywhere, it's booping. It's not it's, bunting. Yes. It's uh, what are, what are we? We're almost like we're almost like twenty five minutes into this show, and we haven't had a single a singular cat interruption. I know. That's what you think. Yeah. That's got to be some kind of record. <laughs> Don't jinx it, Andy. Seriously. Yes. That was me knocking on wood. <laughs> Alright, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, um, but music. I don't want to beat on this one too much because it, it is so subjective and everyone has different tastes, but just give me your quick impression of when you look back 20 years from now, are you going to think of, what are you going to think of when you think of Breath of the Wild musically? I'm going to probably think of the opening song when you first run out over the cliff out of the cave and then the battle with Calamity Ganon but otherwise my first thought process really is like 
Dang it, it should have just been a little louder. It should have been a little bit more there, at least like background-wise. So I think they kind of missed the mark on the music, personally. Uh, I thought the Taylor, I think you quite like the music, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, it's a tough subject, but... Uh, and we really talked about this a lot in our episode, too. But I, the music itself is wonderful in, in Breath of the Wild. It's just so sparse in terms of yeah. where and when you hear it. So I think I agree with Sav in that we're like most I think most people will remember, you know, the the intro theme, the, the trailer, trailer theme, Calamity Ganon and Hyrule, Ca- Hyrule Castle. Yeah. I loved Hyrule Castle. That was a good one. Yeah, and and there's there's also some other like there are some tracks, but the remixes of old tracks that I remember. Right. So. Oh um, well, actually, also me, Cass's theme I think will be long remembered. Yes. Oh god, just, you hear it so I love much. Cass's so theme. that yeah, that one may be an infamy rather than you know you remember it because it's an awesome track. I don't know. I know a lot I of remember, people. Who really I remember like doing it. the shrine where you have to get the blood moon and like just Cass was there playing and playing. And playing. <laughs> like, Shut up. I just did that shrine yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, so quickly, I I would say I appreciate the style of of Breath of the Wild. Um, it works well for that game. I don't know if I'd want it to be the future template for our, how the music is handled in all the games. Um, I, I wouldn't be devastated because I think it fits the mood of Breath of the Wild, but uh, I would I would be sad to 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 move away from some of those iconic Zelda songs because I don't think that there's anything in game in Breath of the Wild that I would describe as iconic. Overall, when we look back at Breath of the Wild and we're talking about, you know, the greats in the Zelda series, um, I, I think it's probably indisputable that Breath of the Wild is going to be a monumental changing point for the series, much like Ocarina of Time, like we said, much like the original Legend of Zelda. Um, I think that that, I think Breath of the Wild is going to be a big milestone game, but where do we look back and see it, you know, in in line with all the other Zelda games in, in this in this incredible series that has just produced classic after classic after classic. Where does Breath of the Wild stand to you guys? That's a tough one. Mm. I well actually technically I've already I've already made this decision when we were compiling our list of best Zelda uh, for twenty was it twenty seventeen? That is true. That is true. So, uh, and where it fell on that one was middle of the pack. It was, it was phenomenal from a lot of gameplay perspectives. It was revolutionary in for the Zelda series, uh, but the the flaws the flaws were a little too strong to ignore and make it my favorite. Yeah. I think that's fair. It didn't reach like tip top for me, but it was definitely higher up there due to the fact that they did inc- introduce that open world feel to it that I had been wanting since like forever. And so even just due to the open world that put it up pretty high to me and the mechanics of it. So for me it's probably like my third or fourth fa- favorite game i think they did pretty good overall i think that uh i think that time is going to be good to breath of the wild and i think that people will appreciate it more as time goes on um and again i liken it back to metroid prime so you know i i played super metroid and metroid and metroid 2 before i played prime and it was jarring to see this game i loved in a in a first person shooter but it was just it was so different but it was also just so well made and it's such a good game that as the years go by I actually like you know I realized to myself I'm like I, you know I think I like Prime more than Super Metroid so, yeah. and I think that that will kind of be the case with Breath of the Wild where people are I just like I can see that happening um, especially and I mean because you know Breath of the Wild is well on its way to becoming the highest selling Zelda game ever if it's not the highest selling Zelda game ever already yeah really so this is going to be a lot of people's um, entry point into the series. You know, people that hadn't played since N64 days, people that have never played at all. So I think that that, I, I think that when they look back at it, they're going to view it as something special because it's 
it, it's something special even to us, and we're probably the most critical people on the earth talking about Breath of the Wild, right? Probably. Yeah, so no, I think that you're absolutely right. It's certainly special, and it, I think it holds a place in all of our hearts for for a myriad of reasons. Um, so I think yeah. that it's going to be time is going to be good to it. Um, kind of, it'll it'll be the opposite of Twilight Princess, where time has not been good to that game. That poor game. But like people loved it <laughs> when it first came out. Poor Twilight Princess. I don't know why I had to take that shot. That was unnecessary. You know what I think is the best thing about Breath of the Wild, though, is is it's not necessarily that in like 20 years in the future we're gonna look back and say, hey, you know, Breath of the Wild was way better than it was before. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's that level. What I think, however, is that it's amazing in that we have so much to look forward to. Like, what's the next Zelda game uh, going to yeah. do? Because this game opened up a lot of doors that a lot of people wanted in the series. And they're, they could improve upon a million different things. They could change things around and make what every... They could make everybody's expectations for Breath of the Wild originally, like, a thousand percent and better. And I mean, like, the things that we complain about, the story in the dungeons, uh, those are easy fixes, it, you know, you can you can easily like dungeon design from game to game is so different that you know the next game could be let's say it only has half the shrines but like you know, six or eight amazing dungeons. You know, I think that that's something that could easily be fixed. The story can easily be you know every game is a blank slate. Yeah, so I think that's a good point. I think you're right. Let's uh, let's take a look at some stuff that Zelda has, or that Breath of the Wild rather, has changed about the Zelda series forever. Um, do you think that the Zelda series will ever go back on a home console game to a non-open world style? I don't think so. Can you repeat that question? Alright. I need time to simmer, you know? Do you think... Do you think that Zelda will ever go back to a non-open world style on on a console release? I'm putting that caveat in there because I, I very much see a Minish Cap style game headed to mobile soon. I really think that that's going to happen, but I don't think that you know with the Switch you can charge you know eighty dollars for Breath of the Wild and then charge eighty dollars for you know a Link Between Worlds as well. Yeah. So have we have we seen the last of, of that style of game on consoles, and will the new standard be open world? I don't know that I'd say it's the last we'll see of it, but I definitely think the standard is going to be open world from here I on agree out. with that. Ga- games like Breath of the Wild and Skyrim are too popular and too like well-lauded for the open world aspect to kind of discount that anymore. I, I think Brother Wild was Nintendo's way of saying, yeah, we can do it too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, another door that Breath of the Wild kicked open, and it wasn't Breath of the Wild necessarily, but Nintendo um, that kicked it open, is downloadable content. Do we expect to see downloadable content, story-wise, become the norm for Nintendo games going forward? Um, I mean, you saw it a little bit on the on the Wii U with, uh, with Mario Kart, with Super Mario Maker, but... Breath of the Wild was, you know, the first Nintendo game to have an expansion pass. The first one that offered more story and kind of went against Nintendo's philosophy of, like, a game is complete when you ship it. Um, and we've seen them repeat this already with, with Xenoblade. So do we do we think that that door, that box, you know, it, it can, never be, can never be shut again? I think eventually, I think they kind of probably most likely will keep that option in there, I think. You know, I mean, because one, it's another way to bring in a little bit more money, but also for people who love expansion expansion passes and stuff, they're they're going to be all over that, you know. But I know there were some people that weren't so happy about it. Well, like you said, I mean, this, this kind of thing has always been a thing in the game industry, like since the early '90s, even even before, and where games had expansion packs back then. Nowadays, they just rebrand it and say, oh, it's downloadable content because, oh, the internet. 
Uh, and, or, or with, as, <laughs> as Nintendo decided to do, we're going to combine the aspects and say expansion pass. Uh, and I, I, I want this to go away. I would like games to be complete upon being shipped, but the business model nowadays, until we as con consumers start, you know, stop throwing our money at them every time they do that kind of Right. They're not going to learn. They're never going to learn. That's why EA keeps doing the crap that they do with, you know, with most of their games and incentivizing everything and trying to do mini purchases everywhere. And while sometimes it works, like in Star Wars The Old Republic, when you have a cartel market where what you're buying is essentially useless but can be really nice for if, if you like that kind of thing, great. But when it comes to, like, the story, when it comes to critical things like that, it, it annoys me to no end that that's the thing, and that's the norm, and that's just how it is. And they're already doing, as you said, with Xenoblade, Mario Kart, Breath of the Wild, uh, Fire Emblem, the, the Fire Emblem Warriors game. That one has, has a season pass as well. Uh, mm, that's right. Nin Nintendo's I guess Hyrule Warriors was really uh, the first Zelda game to kick in that door, eh? Yeah, technically. Maybe. I don't know. It was definitely one of the first ones that I saw DLC-type content on the Wii U, apart from Smash Brothers. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I don't mind paying for downloadable content if it's good. Um, I don't like paying for expansion passes before the game even comes out. Yeah. I'm really against that. I think we all are against EA's policy of microtransactions. Um, so, I, I wouldn't... I, I don't mind Nintendo's philosophy as of right now because I think they, they have a lot of trust and goodwill built up in that particular category. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that, but um, it's it's a slippery slope and I hope that we don't veer too far away from what Breath of the Wild offered where it was like, you know, somewhat cheap for, for you know, a, a decent expansion pack i would say i was just about to say i was like be careful what you wish for there because you know while there were definitely aspects of the champions ballad that was great i think in the end it was not quite worth what they charged for it um I'm, i mean the thing that that i didn't like about it was it was marketed as story dlc and there's maybe 20 minutes inside of it right yeah and i know that we've already covered this but like you know, that still kind of burns my goat a little bit, just thinking that, about that. Honestly, though, that's just a PR thing. It happens all the time. You, you're you you're told one thing. You're led to believe, oh, this is what it's going to be. And then sometimes, yes, that's the case, but there are quite a few times where it's not quite as advertised. So, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild has pretty much a complete clean sweep of every game of the year category this year from every major publisher from every from everybody that gives out awards i can't think of a single game of the year award that it did not win um, that it was nominated for is this are, are we gonna look back and say you know in 10 years because you know what a similar thing happened when skyward sword was released it got perfect 10 out of 10 reviews from places like IGN um, and, and it seems that a lot of people turned on that game over time and I'm wondering like do you think that the Zelda community specifically the Zelda community is going to kind of get over this honeymoon phase with Breath of, Breath of the Wild or is it going to be you know is it going to kind of rise above that and just be regarded as one of the greats like what do you guys think I don't think it's going to be regarded as one of the greats, especially because if the next Zelda game we get outdoes it by a long shot, Breath of the Wild is going to be quote-unquote forgotten, other than the fact that it led to that, I think. So I don't know... I don't know if I'd say that it would be you know, at that level. I think it would be... I don't know. See, I think it would be pretty close. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I think it kind of will depend on what the... whatever next Zelda game releases, if it ends up being even better than Breath of the Wild, or if it's going to be like kind of the same. Or You know, I kind of do think it kind of 
varies depending on what's released next. I think that that's probably fair. I think I think that if the next Zelda game comes out and it has lackluster dungeons and a lackluster story, people are going to really look at Breath of the Wild and say like, you know, you've you've ruined this in not one game but two games and it's your fault that this other Zelda game has the same weaknesses and stuff like that. Um, See, it'll be interesting though because if that happens where the next game is forgive me Zelda fans gutter trash quote unquote then are are we as a fan base going to say oh this is Breath of the Wild's fault or are we going to look at it from the reverse and say oh Breath of the Wild was so good compared to what this was you know maybe that was I think that really depends how much the next game takes from Breath of the Wild Yeah. yeah like if it if it's the Majora's Mask to, you know, Breath of the Wild's Ocarina of Time and it sucks, I think that, like, I think that if Majora's Mask wasn't as good as, as it is, you know, m- maybe people would have looked sideways at Ocarina of Time a little bit more because, I mean, that was your foundation for, like, the next five big console Zelda games because that game was so good. So, I, like, I think we could see the same thing with Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild has a lot more weaknesses i think than ocarina of time does so it's not as strong of a foundation and that and that's why i think it differs from having majora's mask type thing happen so if like if the next game is bad i don't uh sorry if majora's mask was bad i don't think it would actually have that much of an effect on people's opinions of ocarina of time because what a lot of people are saying right now is that major what majora's mask is it took everything that ocarina of time did and it did it better so if, if Majora's Mask was bad, everybody already thought Ocarina of Time was good. Not everybody thinks Breath of the Wild is good. You know, we all think that the gameplay is great, and we all think that it, it changed a lot of things, but not everybody agrees, oh, it's a really amazing Zelda game. I, I get what you're saying, but like, so I'm saying that if Ocarina of Time introduced that new formula, and then the next game after it wasn't very good, and then maybe the next game after that was wasn't as good eventually i think people would start to sour on ocarina of time saying like you know this game introduced this formula which has now turned you know these the rest of these Zelda games into shit so i think that the next game in the zelda series will be very important for breath of the wild's legacy yeah i i I can agree with that do you guys think they're gonna majora's mask it next game i think i think they probably will what else would they do i freaking hope so like on it, think about I, it. I don't. I don't want to wait another like eight years for another Zelda game. I'll tell you <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Seriously. I don't either. But think about it, man. If we can get something like what Majora's Mask was for Ocarina of Time for Breath of the Wild, I I will not complain. I will be a happy little camper. You know, I think when I think back about Breath of the Wild, the thing that I'll remember the most is actually the wait, and like what an absolute odyssey it was to get to Breath of the Wild coming out March 3rd, 2017. Because, I mean, you had E3 debuts to just, like, this rapturous applause, right? It it looks amazing. Gets delayed, gets delayed, gets delayed. And then radio silence for an entire year. And then has that incredible E3 where, like, you know, Nintendo literally put all of its eggs into one basket, the Breath of the Wild basket, or cookpot, if you would. And, you know, really comes out, really comes out swinging for that. And then that incredible, incredible trailer at the, at the Switch event where like, you know, people, it it had been over two years at this point and you finally saw Zelda, you got the release date. And it was just like this, this monumental thing where it it was almost just like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. And I I think that's what kind of cut us. Because we're all like, oh, we haven't seen anything for years. (laughs) And then they (laughs) finally just open up with, here's the whole game, guys. And we were just like, oh, yes, it's so good. It's it's like, you know, you're getting teased all the time. But then finally you get that awesome payoff. Oh, that that last trailer. (laughs) Like, I thought the E3 trailer was really good. I thought it was really good. But man, that the last one at the Switch presentation. And then, like... Then, if you ever want chills, go YouTube crowd reaction to that trailer where, like, the the release date comes on at the end and people just go freaking crazy, go like nuts. Yeah, there's people crying, there's people <laughs> chanting, like, 
it's it's incredible. Like, I I think I won't lie. Like, it was I one think of, them. of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's, me too. Um, I I think of that. It, it was just like this odyssey to get here. But I think that it was it was totally it added to to the game to the game's impact and and what it meant to me when it finally came out. Because like without Breath of the Wild, I would have never been part of Zelda Dungeon. Really? Which also means that you guys would have never been part of Zelda Dungeon. Yeah, it's true. I still would have heard yeah, of Zelda. I would have been part of Zelda. I might not. I joined because of all the Breath of the Wild news coming out. Wait, oh my gosh, I totally didn't know that. To be honest. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Um, it was after um, the Game Awards. Actually, the the Switch presentation wasn't that long after I joined. Uh, Zelda Dungeon. Okay, so... disclaimer, guys. I don't hate Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I promise. I really don't. I oh no, rather none, none of us it. do. I, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think you anybody can be, you can be critical Dungeon of the things that you Breath love, though, right? No, absolutely not. So, um, it, it it led me to Zelda Dungeon and to making a lot of new friends, and to that I will always be grateful for it. Um, so you know, I, uh, take everything away outside of the game and like it, what it meant to me in real life, and I'll just I'll remember that it brought me to Zelda Dungeon and that it uh, it was just really excruciatingly long wait. Look, I can just say that at least I can fulfill my dreams of making Link a chef. Yes. I can agree with that. You can also do that in the masterpiece that is known as 2015's Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes. Eh, no, in that he's more of a fashionista. Well, yeah, but he can dress as a chef. That's true. He just can't cook anything. I, I mean... What's more important, looking like a chef or cooking like a chef? <laughs> cooking like cooking a chef. Like <laughs> looking or cooking, it's all about the look, buddy. I'm, you know, you and I have very different opinions about that. Yeah, we have opinions about a lot of things. The difference between ours is that mine tend to be right and yours oh, are Oh, good not. lord. What say you, listeners? Is it more important to cook like a chef or look like a chef? <laughs> Let us know in the comments below. Tweet, tweet and so, DM me all your secrets. Yes. <laughs> let's spend just a little bit of time talking about nintendo switch one year later i can't remember a console that had just such a absolutely you know balls out year first year as the nintendo switch you want to talk about going all in the nintendo switch in 2017 to 2018 was just like was crazy absolutely crazy in some regards sure but you could also argue that they didn't really go that far out because when it launched it had two games three it's true not, it didn't not including like ported yeah not including yeah, like ported crap from from the nintendo eShop. who cares you had you had breath of the wild with it yeah. Aside from aside from Buddy buying Bomberman and lying ahead of me, there was not a single soul buying a Switch that didn't buy Breath of the Wild. That's a gimmick, though. And that game, that game is gonna last you like, you know, two months at least until the next game comes out. That, I never got that argument why people were upset that there was only like three games that launched with the Switch. Oh, it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not upset because at least the game that I wanted to get, you know, immediately for the Switch was one of the release titles. But that being said, like. When you, when you launch a console and you want to make a huge impact, Nintendo's way of doing, doing it was putting one of their biggest, you know, hottest selling titles, you know, on the market immediately. Whereas other companies, they might go for, you know, just having as many of those, those types of games as they can. Nintendo just, as you said, put all their eggs in the basket. I understand the rationale of other companies to have a bunch of different games to draw in a bunch of different gamers, but I think that, like, you know, Nintendo draws a very specific crowd, and they're, you know, people were buying the Switch for Zelda. Yeah. I think, for I sure. I was one of those people. Yep. Um, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that wasn't, right? Um, Zelda and Splatoon. And if they weren't... That was the only things. Well, but that's the thing. Like, if they weren't sold on Zelda, then they weren't buying the Switch day one. So it really didn't matter what else the Switch launched with. Yeah. So, 
I, I, I think that it, it paid off to, to put all their eggs in, in the Zelda basket. I mean, obviously, sales-wise, it, it did pay off. No, it was... Um, it helped that this... It helped that the Switch was a much better console than the Wii U, because the Wii U was a bum. It was absolute... Oh, hold on. We gotta have a conversation about that. But... Well, it, it is. No, Factually, it is. It's sold, it's, no, it's, it was oh, marketed the, really, really poorly, already. is what happened. But... It was marketed poorly. It was a gimmicky, lame console, and it reflected that in sales-wise. It, yeah. Well, let's save this for a future episode. Yeah, fair enough. In any, in any case, the Switch. Of the Champions the- Cast available here at ZombieDungeon.net. <laughs> what they did, what they did, also with the available Switch, on Podbean. With, what they did with the Switch's release was smart. You're absolutely right. It was absolutely a smart marketing so, decision. But like, but like, man, you know, you got. You got Breath of the Wild. You got Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8, Mario and Rabbids. Um, you got Super Mario Odyssey. You had, uh, I mean, to a lesser extent, Xenoblade come out. You had Fire Emblem War. Like you just had, like it seemed like there was just like title after title after title after title, like like big title. It seemed like this this console got more big games in one year than the Wii U got in its entire. Yeah, life. it did. Yeah, that it, it did definitely agree on that i think like after the first three or four months like then the switch started hitting and it started hitting hard and fast i i'm not sure that we'll ever see this type of year again from nintendo maybe not from anybody uh because i mean like let's not uh let's not discount the 3ds too because the 3ds had some pretty cool titles that came out too like you had the return of metroid you had fire emblem come out like they did they were uh they were like really firing on all cylinders, I think. Um, and I know that I was just talking smack about the Wii U, but but I think that the Wii U's failure just really kind of you know gave Nintendo a kick in the bum that they needed to 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 get their stuff together and you know say like you know we got to be serious like we gotta we gotta really release quality games and we gotta make it consistent because that was the Wii U's downfall. Yeah. And I. I I mean, sales-wise, obviously, I think it paid off. But man, what a first year for the Switch! Yeah, no, it is a successful console, no, no doubt about it. And the games for the console, a majority of them are spot on. Yeah, for their first year, I think the Switch absolutely blew it out of the water. I mean, they did a, you know, they didn't have a lot of games when they released it, but I mean, they made up for that really really quickly by what games what titles they did release and then after a while they just kind of started pouring in you know so for one year you know i think they did pretty darn good nintendo um i mean they had the the snes classic this year too so it's like they were just they were just killing it nintendo was ready to make money this year (laughs) yeah that's all i'm gonna say yeah And, and i mean mobile games too yeah. Um, Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Super Mario Run. That came out a little bit before the Switch did, but still. Um, it, it really seemed like they had kind of learned a lesson from the Wii U and were just, like, firing on all cylinders. My, my only concern for the Switch going forward is that they burned out a lot of their fuel last year and that they don't have, you know, a lot left in the tank. Oh, yeah. I think they, I think they definitely have stuff left in the tank, but the question is... When are we going to start seeing? Because <laughs> if they're smart, they're going to spread it out. They're not going to just keep doing it. Because you're right, they will eventually run out. But like, if they kind of slow down the releases a little bit through 2018, and then hit us again with some major titles in 2019 and then 2020, I, I think the switch will we, last. We've a got lot. on shore for this year. I think we we've got Pokemon coming out this year, an RPG on the Switch. Um, we've got Donkey Kong Country, which is. an underrated series for Nintendo it always does quite well Um, I don't think Metroid Prime 4 is coming out this year but that's not like a huge like you know multi-million seller anyways but um, but yeah I think I think that they built up a lot of goodwill that was sorely needed after the Wii U and, and built up a lot of momentum all right, everybody, that is episode four of the Champions Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another show of shenanigans from the three of us here. We appreciate it and uh, look forward to serving you again next week. Um, you can find the Champions Cast on iTunes and Podbean. 
Uh, we're also listening if there's any other servers or podcast platforms that you are interested in uh, having the show on. Please let us know. We always have our ears open. And uh, and we're always looking to please new listeners. So thank you guys for tuning in. Can't wait to see you until next week. We're going to... We're going to reminisce a little bit next week about uh, the message board days of old and some character contests that went down on certain websites that we grew up on. So make sure that you come back for that. Until next week, everybody, this is Andy Spiteri signing off with my two lovely co-hosts.